This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 39 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Horse Rescue Today. We would like to thank our sponsor, Equestrian Collections. Equestrian Collections brings the whole universe of equestrian shopping to your fingertips. You can visit them at equestriancollections.com. Welcome to the Stable School, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hail, high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop calls. It's time again for Stable School. Stable School. Stable School. Stable School. This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, hi, Helena. Hello, Glenn. How are you? I'm back from being sick. Sorry I wasn't able to uh, help out last week, and but I think Samantha did a great job. Yeah. Oh, we had a lot of fun. Yeah, you two yeah, giggling and having a good time here on the well, Stable you know, Scoop Show. We were very nervous um, because it's just like flying solo. You know, you think I'm used to having you to lean on, and um, she was kind of leaning on me, and neither of us really knew what we were doing, but I think it worked out pretty well. Oh, it worked out great. You did fine. Yeah, she's fun. You need to uh, not necessarily get sick, but maybe you can go on vacation and (laughs) we can work together again. Well, I got to work with her today. It was her first debut on the 2010 radio show. She is now the official co-host on that show, and she was a blast to work with today. So I'm I'm so happy she's part of it, and she's so excited and scheduling interviews and doing research. She's just having so much fun with it. And, you know, our horse radio family is really growing and and starting to – have an identity. Yes. And, uh, you know, she's part of it. Chris Stafford with the Eventing Radio Show. Um, can I read the email that we got? Oh, sure. This week, because I, it has just made my day. It's made my week. I think it's the, if, if there was anything that we wanted to achieve with the Horse Radio Network, it's exactly what this person wrote to us. Right. So. Right. I agree. All right. Go ahead. Can, can I do that now? I don't want to wait yep. till the end. No, go and do it now. Okay. And when she was writing about the wrap-up show that we did after Rolex, she writes, I thoroughly enjoyed the wrap-up show. This was my first time to listen in, and all I can say, if this is only in its six months, you all are doing a bang-up job. The passion, the exchange of dialogue was done to make the listeners feel like they're a part of the show. Just like sitting down across from y'all with a bourbon ale or a drink of Kentucky well water. Best to you, as I will be checking in regularly. And that's from Kale Terrace, I we think. Should, <laughs> we should let everybody know that you were drinking bourbon ale at the time. So. <laughs> no, I'm not bourbon. No, you were I, drinking bourbon ale. That was the bourbon ale. Remember, we had that uh, new concoction there that they had just oh, put out. That's what that was? Yeah, you don't see how much ale. I trust you? I don't even know what I'm drinking. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Yeah, thank you for that email because that's exactly what we hope to achieve. Yeah, we like, should put a plug in. She she has a website called Cowgirls with a Z 
or no, Cowgirl Zen, Zen. Photography. Yes. Great. And uh, she does photography and stuff, and we appreciate that, and we're glad we picked up a new listener with that show. That's an interesting show for her to come in on first because it was completely different than any other show we've ever done. Yeah, but it was. It included the whole Horse Radio Network family, Chris, right. you, me, and Samantha. And do you realize that we are coming up on 100 episodes on the Horse Radio Network? Ooh, are we having a party? I, I know. I, I need to look at what, which show it's going to fall on. It's going to be very soon. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to be – well, and I've done almost all of them. So uh, it's going to be 100 episodes of listening to me, which doesn't sound too good to me. But <laughs> No, me either. <laughs> How'd you finagle that one? I don't know. I don't know. But you know what's interesting, too, is I've gotten probably to interview 150 really cool people on all of those shows. Um, and it's been so much fun to do this. This is just like the best job ever. Right, right. It's just a lot of fun, and we get to talk to some cool people, and we're going to have some of those people on today. Today is all going to be about horse rescue and, and really what the economy has done uh, to, to horses and pets. We're actually going to be talking a little bit about pets because we have with us Kim Bennett, who's the Vice President of Shelter and Outreach and Public Relations for PetFinder.com. Uh, and as we all we all have been to PetFinder. I don't know. Yes. You're a horse person or a dog person or an animal person. You've been to PetFinder. So, and it, but it is the oldest and largest searchable directory for homeless pets in the world. And uh, you know, I was on there yesterday and saw a greyhound that's just right over here in Kentucky, and it was so cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jennifer had to say, "No, be a responsible pet owner." So, <laughs> so and that's part of what we're going to talk about today too. Is what what it you know what is a responsible adopter. And trying to cover that as well. And we're also going to have Lori Nagel, who is the Kentucky Equine Humane Center's executive director, and they deal with equine humane rescue here in Kentucky. Um, And uh, so we're going to be talking to her as well. And they're a fairly new organization, but they deal with the Humane Society on the horse repossessions and things like that. Or you can just give up your horse if you're having economic trouble or Anything like that, they'd rather have you give the horse to them so they can get it adopted out. So we're going to talk to the both of them. So it's going to be an interesting show. It's a little more serious topic than we've done recently, but it's an important topic, I think, as well. Yeah, and and it's a, it's a positive spin. I mean, we can take something that these shelters are completely overburdened, but they're out there and, you know, there's gazillions of horses ready to be adopted, perfectly adoptable, sound, happy, rideable horses. So, you know, whatever exposure we can give to them and help them get horses new homes, that's what we're going to do. All right, great. And you've had a busy week. I know this is you came in about one minute after the show was going to start today. And uh, we're can sent- I just tell you, I, this yeah. is the best part about having my own show because I can get on here and just bleh, yeah. vent. <laughs> and, and, you know, I said to Glenn when I first um, literally flew down the hallway into my office, threw on my headset and said, I'm here. And it was like 11.59. And we started recording at 12. And I do this to Glenn quite a bit. Every said, week, you know pretty much. I know, I know. I, I said to Glenn, <laughs> And I love I, you for it. <laughs> I have so much to talk about today. And he said, oh, good, good, good. And none of what I have to talk about has really has ho- to do with horses. One part does. But it does tie in because as a mom and a wife and an employee, how to balance your life and have horses in it, I think is something that's relevant to everybody. And, um, you know, I had this week, I've got a six-year-old daughter at home. We're trying to sell our house. Why are we trying to sell our house? Because I want to bring my horses home. (laughs) I didn't even know you were trying to sell your house. We have two weeks to get our house on the market. Um, 
I did miss a lot. We're going to have yeah. to talk. So we had – so just this morning we've had a dumpster delivered. Um, we – just in case we can't really find the house we're looking for, um, we have an architect coming who might be able to help us figure out what we could do with our house to make some more room. Um, not that that solves the bringing the horses no, home No, I was going to say they won't fit in the backyard. Right. But, you know, so there's all this going on. The dumpster comes. Then I've got somebody who wants to give my retired quarter horse a home. Uh, oh, good. A freely situation. Uh, so they wanted to bring him to take him away today. I said, no, <laughs> I'm not ready to do that yet. Give me like two or three more days. And, you know, there's a birthday party this afternoon and you got to go and the horses are only um, – uh, they're out on grass, but because it's New England and they, they can only be on grass for a few hours a day until they get accustomed to it. So I got to boogie up to the barn, switch the horses, look at my dirty stall, come back home. Does this <laughs> yeah. sound like a typical horse a person's life or or what? It's, just, you, it's amazing. The things, the hoops that you have to jump through just so you can hop on your pony for an hour and and the thing about it all is no matter how crazy life gets, you sit down in that saddle and it doesn't matter where you go or what you do, at least for me. I just feel it all melt away. It goes right out my heels, through my stirrups, and for 20 minutes or an hour, I don't have to think about anything else. And I'm so refreshed and rejuvenated when I get off my pony, it, it makes everything worth it. So now that, we'll get back to the whole selling the house part. Uh, so you're going to buy the the two million dollar property that we looked at right up here when you were down here. Sure. We're no. I mean, <laughs> I, no. I just need uh, not a lot. You know, we're looking for maybe three or four acres, which is it takes an act of Congress if you live in New England because prices are so expensive. But what we figured is now is a good time. To do that because well, we're never going to down fly. as much as they're going to be, I think. So right, yeah. so we're going to take a hit on our house. You know, obviously, it's not going to be. We're not going to get as much as we could, but the you know we're never going to be able to afford a property of this kind in any other market. So you're looking at New England, or are you looking elsewhere? Yeah, we'd like to stay in our town because we our daughter is already making friends and. It's um, an easy commute to Boston for my husband, and um, the school system's great. And there's, it's horsey. There's trails everywhere. Yeah, it is horse central up there. It's sort of like the 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 Lexington of New England up there, where you are. It, it is. Yeah. It is. I mean, we can. I've never done this, but people tell me that you can um, you can trail ride from. Uh, they say from Maine down to the South Shore of Boston, but I know for sure from the North Shore of Boston all the way around to the South Shore of Boston. I think it's called the Bay Circuit Trail. But, oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah. You can't then, even drive that without taking about three days. Yeah. Well, you can trail traffic. Right. <laughs> we can trail right. So we're going to try and stick here in, in town. And, all right. You know. Great. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, it kind of makes me a little crazy. <laughs> so, you know, you can... Uh, just make sure you have your headphones and your Mac, and we can record from hotels or wherever you end up in the meantime. <laughs> Somebody's basement. Uh... <laughs> You're not kidding. <laughs> I'll be, we'll be uh, broadcasting from Zeke's stall. Exactly. <laughs> 
Well, this month we have some brand new items that are up and that you can register to win in the Stable Scoop giveaway. We have uh, two of them. We have a Best Shot Equine MED Rain Rot box set. She couldn't have given us something with a longer name. Oh, please. Uh, it took. I sounded really silly last I week. I cracked up when you were saying it last week because I could just tell you were just trying to get through it. Uh, <laughs> but this was donated by our good friends at Equestrian Collections. She donated this Rain Rot set, which actually fe features the shampoo and the topical spray and then also the rain rot treatment which if you live down in kentucky or any place in the south for sure this time of year you know it just is raining all the time it's just pouring all day today uh so this this particular this best shot equine is good stuff and it helps stop the itch and promote hair growth and we appreciate equestrian collections for donating that and also we are donating at the horse radio network a commercial on an episode of the stable scoop show you can reach uh many many thousands of people across the world so it could be for your business farm lessons or whatever you like donate it to a charity or just wish your horse husband a happy birthday or uh, i'm leaving you i'm getting divorced or whatever <laughs> it is so i guess that would be the other way around probably um but we you can do all of that on our website at stablescoop.com just there's a link on the right hand side to register to win just stop over there and it's free it's easy just sign up and register to win and also uh we can't forget to mention our partners at equestrian life don't forget to check them out equestrianlife.com they're the facebook for horse lovers and it's a great place we do a lot of work with them and we appreciate them helping out as well uh well helena it does sound like you're having a a, a uh, an interesting time in life right now and it's going to only get busier so we'll we'll uh continue on with the show here and get get you back to uh meet with the architect <laughs> uh, we're going to introduce our first guest, and it's Kim Bennett, who's the VP of Shelter Outreach and Public Relations for PetFinder.com. And we're excited to have her on. Let's just talk to her. She, she, she can tell us all about PetFinder. Sounds good. Well, welcome, Kim. I'm so happy to have you on the Stable Scoop show today. Um, Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. And now, where are you based out of right now? I work from a home office in New Jersey. Okay. You're, all right. Um, well, why don't you give us the Reader's Digest history of PetFinder and a little bit about your role there and um, how long you've been with them and, and things like that. Okay. I like to talk about nothing better than PetFinder. So uh, PetFinder started back uh, in 1996, and it was when the Internet was brand new, and it was something that we were going to find out was going to revolutionize pet adoption because it allows shelters and rescue groups who have these homeless pets in need of homes but have no budget, it allows them to market and promote their pets in real time on the Internet right into people's homes and offices. So the shelters and rescue groups across the country, we have 12,500 of them throughout North America, post all of their adoptable pets. They get an account on PetFinder, they get a, a homepage, which is like their own website, and then they have the ability to post their pets with photos, descriptions, and videos. And then, of course, the public coming to the site can search for the type of pet that they want to adopt. So if I was in the market to adopt and perhaps I had my eye, um, maybe I'm an Appaloosa type of girl, I could go on to PetFinder, I can plug in horse, I can plug in Appaloosa, I can give an age, a size, a gender if I care, and then I put in my zip code and I'm going to get back a list of all the Appaloosa horses on PetFinder available for adoption, starting with the ones closest to me. Okay. Now, now I love this because I'm a I'm a techie and I grew up in databases. So I love the fact that you're basically taking data and helping pets find 
find homes. Like like you said, the best part about that is that these shelters and rescue groups don't have big budgets, and this is a way to really stretch their their dollars. Do they have to pay a fee to list their adoptable animals with PetFinder? No, PetFinder is completely free to them, and that was the only way that it would have worked. I mean, Betsy and Jared Saw founded PetFinder on the premise knowing that animal welfare groups really have pretty much no budget. Um, so the only way it would work was to make it free. Um, and because, you know, it is the world of the Internet, it's free for visitors who are searching as well. Now, that means that our service is free. Of course, when they find uh, the perfect match, their soon-to-be happy tail, and they contact the shelter or rescue group, they'll find out what that group's procedure is, and there will usually be um, some form of adoption, donation, or fee to actually adopt the animal. Now, Fair I, enough. You yeah. know, I, I uh, was looking on here the other day, when, right after I talked to you, I was actually surprised at how many horses you have on here. There's like thousands of horses. We're very excited, um, and we'd like to have more horses available for adoption. I know, um, unfortunately, in today's economy, horses, like other animals, are uh, in need of homes, but we do. We have over 2,500 horses available right now on Pet Finder um, in, in a variety of breeds. I went through and, and took a look at uh, our list before the show, and I, um, I was always that horse-crazy girl as a kid, and I thought, oh, I want to adopt one myself. <laughs> well, and you know what? Helena knows I have this penchant for Percherons, uh, and I made the mistake just now, in the last two seconds, of looking and seeing in Kentucky, right down the street from me, there's uh -oh. a Percheron up for adoption. <laughs> Oh, well, after oh. you adopt, you have to make sure you send us your happy tail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm looking at this going, that was really dumb of me to look at this. It is. You know, we um, we are often blamed uh, for by people for the, that they weren't really in the market for a new pet. And yet, boom, look what happened. Um, people can't help but search. And that's the beauty of PetFinder is that people kind of search through, spend time searching, um, looking at pets. We call it pet porn. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, it's so true. <laughs> yeah, it is true, actually. <laughs> and then at some point, for some reason, one of those pets makes a connection. Um, you know, and, and then that's when the person just goes through whatever they need to go through to get them. And we have long-distance adoptions. We have um, adoptions, you know, of special needs pets. It, it really is all about the connection. And that's why the group's being able to have those photographs up there um, and, and now have videos as well, uh, if they can, really helps to make that connection. Well, now, so, so my question is, and just to get serious for a minute, and then, then I want to I ask you some of the stories that you've had, but... It's only it's only adoption uh, agencies or rescue groups that actually can post on here, right? That's correct. We have a separate classified section where the public can post. So, okay. uh, an individual who has a pet that you know maybe for financial reasons they can't keep, they have the ability to post in the classifieds. Um, again, we try to keep it for altruistic reasons. It's not there for breeders um, to be posting right. and making a profit. Yeah but for rehoming purposes. But for PetFinder and through our search, the main part of PetFinder, that's strictly shelters and rescue organizations. And you have 275,035 adoptable pets right now. Um, we do. It's, that's amazing. Now, my question, the serious question is, with the economy the way it is, what, what kind of increase, I assume you've seen an increase in the adoptable animals out there because of, that can directly relate to the economy. What, what's been your experience? We have. Um, unfortunately, the economy is impacting the pets as well as the rest of us. And what we found is that our shelters and rescue groups are um, kind of being hit in three ways. 
One, they are seeing an increase of pets being surrendered to them because people can't keep them specifically for economic reasons. Um, two, they're finding that their adoptions are down, um, presumably for the same reason, that people just don't have the resources to take on a new family member. And then um, third, they're getting less donations because people don't have the money to donate. So more pets in, less pets out, less money makes it really difficult. We surveyed our PetFinder members to ask them, um, you know, how is this affecting you? And unfortunately, 84% of the responders said that they are receiving more pets into their programs because of the economic situation. Wow. Mm. So you have, when you say members, does that mean shelters and organizations? It does, yep. Our shelters and rescue groups are our PetFinder members, and we currently have over 12,500. They're located in all the 50 states throughout Canada, Uh, Mexico, Puerto Rico, and then all of the great places where I would like to live, like the Virgin (laughs) Islands and Costa Rica. (laughs) So in your role as um, shelter outreach and and PR person, um, how do you work with these members and their their organizations to make sure that PetFinder is – doing what they need you to do how do you how do you measure your success how do you measure um what they need do you have uh organizational meetings how does that whole thing work yeah um well a couple different things my team manages our relationships with all of those members around the country and our main goal is to help them with anything they need that will lead to them getting their pets adopted so one of the ways we measure success uh you know we're constantly in touch with them getting feedback but is adoptions um, because that's really the name of their game. So um, we realized, we, we survey our members to find out because they need to tell us um, how many adoptions they've had and how many of those PetFinder has helped them with. Great. Um, and in 2008, they told us that we were responsible for over 2.1 million adoptions. Oh, that's such a great number. Wow. And that's about, that's a that's, lot. It's almost 70% of all adoptions throughout the U.S. and Canada. Wow. Okay, that's now, a good number. <laughs> now, do you take just – there's lots of people that say they're, they're rescue groups. Right. Um, and we all know that you know, there's a lot of them that are legitimate, and then we know that there's some of them that are basically collectors and, and end up in uh, – some of them then end up in trouble themselves some, one day. Absolutely. And we've had that happen in Kentucky here recently. So, um, so my question is, do you, do you make them go through any kind of process proving they're legitimate or – we do. We really want to make sure that when visitors, uh, every one of whom we consider a potential adopter, um, when they come to the site, that they're going to have a positive experience, whether it ends with an adoption or if it doesn't at this time for whatever reason, that they're still going to leave with a positive experience, tell their friends, consider adoption when they're ready. Like so, this Percheron I'm looking at here? Exactly. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, when people have a good experience, uh, they'll tell some friends, but if they have a bad experience, they tell everyone in the world. Right. Um, so to try to help that... We really um, do a lot to work with our members. So before a, a shelter or rescue group gets an account on PetFinder, they fill out an online application, and then they have a personal conversation with me or with one of my staff where we talk to them about their processes, their operations, where they get their pets, how they care for them, um, their interactions with the public, that sort of thing. We also ask for uh, a letter of veterinary reference from the veterinarian that's caring for their pets so that we have assurance that the pets are, in fact, getting the medical care that they need. Um, for the most part, our members are really hardworking, great people in rescue. We have had, on very few occasions over our 14 years, um, times where a member would have to be removed either because 
they really had just gotten it over their head yeah. and were no longer doing what was in the best interest of the pets um, or because um, somehow they managed to get through the process. But once they were on, it became very clear that they were not the type of organization that we wanted to work with. And we've been very fortunate that that really has only happened a handful of times. Well, that's mm. good. I'm glad to hear that, actually. If you could tell uh, the Stable Scoop audience, or if you could just get, um, if you could tell them what are good reasons and bad reasons to adopt a pet. I mean, we know what the good reasons are. Right. What, what would you say to somebody, and how would you say this, if someone says, I, I want to adopt a pet, and you think it's for all the wrong reasons, like for a Christmas present or a birthday present or, um, you know, I've got nothing else to do with my time or, you know, sure. how, do you, yeah. how are you, dipl- how, you, know, how, you know what I'm trying to go with that. I do. You know, we, um, and I help local organizations do adoptions and adoption counseling. Um, and we're talking here about horses, but I think it, it's kind of global to pets altogether. Um, I actually, Petfinder, uh, I authored and Petfinder put out a book earlier this year called The Adopted Dog Bible. Mm-hmm. And so while it was specific to dogs, I think that the information and resources in there really are relevant to all of them. And the most important thing that I tell people is, it's all about a relationship and making a match. So, you know, the good reasons to get a pet are because you're willing and ready to make a 8, 10, 15, 30-year commitment, um, and you know what type of care this pet requires. You have the financial resources to do that. You have a backup plan for when something happens that you aren't able to, um, in the case of a horse or, you know, a, a larger dog or whatnot, that you are physically prepared to do the things that are going to be required, um, you get so much back from a pet, so much uh, love. I mean, it's so enriching and rewarding, but you have to be prepared up front and you have to make sure that the pet matches your lifestyle. Um, you know, you, you, the backup plan is a good phrase because, you know, you when you do take an animal into your life, you have a responsibility to it. Um, and I think you... It's okay if it doesn't work out. And this is just me getting up on my soapbox a little bit. But when you said the words having a backup plan, it is such a simple thing to have and can really save you and the animal a lot of heartache because it's okay for you to say, this animal isn't working out for me because you don't know until you get it home that it's going to be a good fit or, you know, maybe he he or she isn't great with the kids or the horse is a little too much horse for you. But if you've got that plan then the same organizations that you get your animal from are most of the times happy to take it back or talk to your local shelters. Like I get so many phone calls because I am, you know, an animal freak. I get so many phone calls saying I don't want to bring my animal to the shelter. Well, the shelter may very well be the best place for you to bring your animal. Absolutely. I mean, but, we, yeah. And, and if you've adopted from the shelter, most of them actually require that you bring the animal back or at least contact them and let them help you rehome the animal in a safe, responsible place. Right. You know, they're very invested in the animals and the pets. They put a lot into them, and they want to make sure that the animal is cared for, you know, for the rest of his life. Well, and, you know, I, I, I have to get on my soapbox now. I'm going to knock uh, Helena off of hers uh, <laughs> and then jump up there. Uh, we adopted a greyhound many, many years ago, and I'll never have any other dog but a greyhound. And they required us. As a matter of fact, you sign a contract that if this dog doesn't work out, you have to go back to that greyhound adoption agency. You can't even bring it to, like, the Humane Society or whatever. That's right. Uh, you know, we had to go back to them, and you actually signed an agreement to that effect. So, Absolutely. I'll tell you, I'm a foster home. 
um, on occasion. I foster dogs or puppies until they get adopted, and I feel very strongly about that. I mean, I trust the people who are adopting my foster pets that they want to do the best thing for them, but I also make it really clear that I am the backup plan um, if something should happen. And so certainly if they were to call me and say, you know, something terrible has happened and I can't care for this pet, but um, my Uncle Joe could, and he's in a great situation. Whatever, I would be more than happy for that to happen. Um, but I need to be there in case they don't have that, and so that I know that that animal has a safety net and can always come back until we find the appropriate place for her. Now, the, the, uh, you mentioned the book that you did. It was called The Adopted Dog Bible? It is. It was okay. a, a long project um, that we, we spent a lot of time going into, but really to help people who were looking specifically to adopt a dog. Uh, and it, it just pretty much goes through the entire process. I focus a lot up front on what you guys are talking about as far as, you know, good reasons to adopt and what to be ready for, really managing your expectations. But then the book also goes through um, training and caring for your dog uh, throughout his or her entire life, all the way through to the end. And where That's, can they find it? It's available everywhere books are sold, as well as on the PetFinder website. Okay, and that's the Adopted Dog Bible. Now, tell us a little bit about um, Discovery Communications and their relationship to PetFinder. We, uh, PetFinder was a small startup internet company, as I mentioned, when the internet was brand new, um, and our growth was tremendous. I started with PetFinder in November of 99. I was their first paid staff member. Um, I had been a practicing attorney prior to that. And I did not find that career particularly rewarding. Okay, now there's a switch. <laughs> no, 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 let it keep going. I'm liking this. This is going to be inspirational for millions of lawyers. For out millions there. of lawyers who need to get out. That's right, because <laughs> most of them want to get out. That's the, that's the, the dirty secret. Um, so I made the leap. Um, I was already a volunteer in local animal welfare activities, so I made the leap and came on to Petfinder. Um, at that point, we had 400 shelters and rescue groups posting. Petfinder had started in New Jersey in the tri state area. Um, and they had just taken the site national, and so we were increasing members daily. Um, and a, a joyful part of my job was to be able to call shelters and rescue groups and give them this opportunity oh, and give wow. their pets this opportunity. So from 400 members then to 12,500 now. <laughs> um, but so in, 19, in um, sorry, in 2006, um, PetFinder had you know grown tremendously. We had uh, exponential growth, and we were looking for a way to take it to the next level. And so Discovery Communications acquired PetFinder at the end of 2006. Um, our mission has remained the same. Uh, we're still working to end the euthanasia of uh, all adoptable pets. We work with our members in the same way. But we have a lot of the resources of the major media corporation behind us. So uh, Animal Planet TV uh, you know, spends a lot of time dealing with adoption issues and being uh, more animal welfare focused, which we love. Um, yeah. and We've had other opportunities like that. So we are now part of the Discovery family. Well, now, do you, how does it... I'm going to go a little bit a different direction just because, well, Helena will know why I'm asking this. So how do you monetize... How do you, you guys make money? Is it just through the advertising on the site? Because you don't charge for the ads. It is. You know, when PetFinder started, we had a, um, an interesting business plan. Um, Betsy and Jared, very, very clever. They did not set PetFinder up as a nonprofit because they didn't want to compete with the shelters and rescue groups for the dollars available to nonprofits. Brilliant. Instead, they went after corporations. So we had exclusive categorical sponsorships. For example, pet food company, Purina, um, pet supplies, Petco, 
um, Marielle, who's a pharmaceutical company um, that manufactures pet products. And we had exclusive categorical sponsorships with them, which included advertising on the site, which was what was of great value um, to the companies, as well as our relationship with the shelters and rescue groups, um, you know, that we could endorse products or put opportunities in front of them. And that worked brilliantly. It really was, was really very, very smart. Um, that uh, method and that model has changed somewhat over the years as we've grown, and now we still uh, have partnerships and sponsorships, and we uh, rely very heavily on those corporations for their support, but we also have general advertising on the website. And the PetFinder audience is tremendous. Our traffic is over 5 million unique visitors every month. Oh, my gosh. So that's 5 million potential adopters coming to the site every month, um, which is wonderful for the pets and very attractive to the advertisers. Well, for sure. We get that much, don't we, Helena? (laughs) She should get that much. (laughs) Well, it's nice to see. I mean, I've been watching Pet Finder since its inception and and using it, and I found um, one of our adoptable dogs from uh, through Pet Finder. And, uh, you know, um, it's nice to see, I often say, coming from the business world, it's nice to see animal groups taking a more corporate business model and making what's worked for businesses work for animals, which I think is relatively new to the humane industry, for lack of a better word. I think you're absolutely right. And I have to say, um, not to blow our own horn, but I think that PetFinder has been really instrumental in helping the shelters and rescue groups see the value in that. Um, As rescuers, we, and I include myself as one of the crazy bunch, we tend to be very... um, you know, idealistic um, and standing on, you know, getting up on our high horse, if you will, um, about our ideals and about what's important. And so sometimes, you know, it takes a little bit of time to bring people around to the idea that corporate advertising is a good thing if it helps you. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You know, and operating as a business does not take away from the value of your mission. (laughs) Exactly. Well, we we should learn that sometime, Alina. So, okay, well, we're plain running out of time here, but I did want to leave on one. I wanted to leave on a happy note. So what's one of the stories, and I know you get stories all the time. What's one of the stories that sticks out in your head of one of the, one of the adoptions that was done through the site that just is a, is a great story? Oh, we have so many. Um, well, we've had a recent, you know, every, I, we collect happy tales, and it's interesting because when you talk to the media, they're looking for the extraordinary ones, and I always think that everyone is extraordinary. Right. Um, some of the really fun ones are the long-distance adoptions um, where someone will actually feel the connection um, to the extent that they are then willing to get in their car or get on an airplane and go meet that pet across the street. Um, and we get those consistently. A really fun one that we had was a woman who drove over 800 miles to go meet the dog of her dreams uh, that she saw on PetFinder. And the fun part of the story, not to be judgmental about the pet, was that really it's the ugliest dog you've ever seen. (laughs) The dog had one eye, was missing part of an ear, um, looked at you sort of askance, and in fact tried to bite her finger when she first met her. (laughs) And yet to hear her tell the story, she has adopted the most beautiful dog in the entire world, uh, and the dog's made her life complete. So, uh, you know, it's all about beauty being in the eye of the beholder. Well, there you go. And I would like to put in a request that somebody quickly adopt Susie Q, the Percheron in Kentucky, so I don't have to. (laughs) We'll be checking back in with you to see how you and Susie Q are doing. All right, good. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate you being on. And, And that book, again, is The Adopted Dog Bible, and they could probably find that on Amazon, right? 
they can. Okay, great. Thanks a lot, Kim. Thank, Thank you, you, Kim. Another fabulous interview. Yeah, she's a lot of fun. Uh-huh. She's just uh, so bubbly and obviously just passionate about what she does. And, and the, the, a perfect match for that job, the vice president of shelter outreach and public relations. I mean, an ex lawyer. You perfect. It's the ex part of the lawyer. Exactly. Like. But really, she's just she's articulate and and passionate and um, good job, Kim. Thank you. Really. Yep. Okay, and we're going to be right back. But first, we're going to hear a little bit about Equestrian Collections, one of our sponsors, and then we're going to hear from Lori Nagel, who is the Kentucky Equine Humane Center's executive director. Well, Helena, it's so much fun to talk about our friends at Equestrian Collections. They bring the whole universe of equestrian shopping to your fingertips. Every day the site is calibrated to show you all the products that each major equestrian brand has available for you to buy. On any given day, they have over $100 million of products for you to choose from. They also have a fantastic Super Spring Specials e-catalog with thousands of savings from major brands. In these times, everyone can use some savings on what you buy, and Equestrian Collections is there to help. Just go to their homepage and click on the e-catalog link and choose the online coupon book. And just for our listeners, if you spend over $120, you can get an additional $10 off by using this coupon code at checkout, 10SPRING09. That's 10, that's the numbers 10, SPRING09. You can't beat their selection, our great prices, and now discounts, coupons, just for our listeners as well. Visit Equestrian Collections at equestriancollections.com. They put the whole universe of equestrian shopping to your fingertips at a price you can afford. And we're back here, and up next we have Lori Nagel of the Kentucky Equine Humane Center. She's the executive director and is going to talk to us a little bit about her her organization. So welcome, Lori. Hi, Lori. We're so glad to have you on the show today. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about the Kentucky Equine Humane Center, um, how long it's been around, and really what your overall objective is for the center. Well, the Kentucky Equine Humane Center opened its doors um, to just, we recently celebrated our um, two-year anniversary. We opened in April of 2007, and our mission is to take any unwanted equine in the state of Kentucky. We're open to all horses in the state. Um, we do have a couple of requirements that uh, the horses have a valid Coggins, the owners transport the horses to us, and that they're willing to surrender them. Um, and our goal is to provide humane treatment and shelter and to seek adoptive homes for them. So what makes you different than, or are you different than um, some other horse rescue groups? I mean, it sounds to me like you'll take pretty much any horse, which is a huge benefit to the horses. Um, wh- how, how, what, was, what was the motivation to start the group since you're relatively young, two years? How did it come about? Uh, we came about with a group of um, horse people getting together and deciding what we could do to help um, the unwanted horses in Kentucky. Since uh, we are the horse capital of the world, we, it's, you know, we felt that it was sad that there was no place for them to go um, when owners had to give them up or um, could no longer keep them for whatever reason. And it would be nice if we had a facility much like cats and dogs have facilities that they can go to when their owners um, can no longer keep them. So that's how we, we kind of modeled it after the shelters for cats and dogs. We we said we'd create a 
place where no horse would be turned away and um, they would all come and they would get a second chance and be evaluated for and see how adoptable they are and try and find homes for them and also work as a clearinghouse and work network with other organizations to get these horses placed as well. So now you, uh, how many horses can you house there? We house 50 at all times. Wow. And I bet you it's full right now at all times. We're huh? always full. We're always yeah. full. Um, we don't, like I said, we don't turn anybody away. What we've done is if someone has a horse and they have a facility where they can keep the horse, we will schedule them um, to come in, just, you know, make an appointment with them. If the horse is not, if it's not a crisis situation, if it's a coming from animal control situation or um, right off the racetrack that they have an immediate need, then we will take them right away. Okay. And we're uh, also how- different in the sense that we have stalls at every Kentucky racetrack. Oh, you do? Oh, okay. that's, mm-hmm. how does that work? Um, if an owner or trainer decides to give up their horse, they no longer can keep them and they don't want to keep them one more day. We have uh, designated stalls at every Kentucky track. We have volunteers um, at the racetracks that will house the horse, feed them, water them, and care for them until we can arrange transportation to get them to the center. So the only thing the owner or trainer has to do is go into the racing secretary's office, and our surrender forms are right there in the office, and they can just sign them over and Someone at the racetrack will racetrack will fax the forms to us, and uh, we'll work on transportation to get them to the center. Oh well, that's great. Uh, that's that's awesome. just a really neat idea, actually. So, mm-hmm. do you have um, do you have folks that go around to the different tracks and establish relationships to get this set up? We have actually volunteers that do it. On a, yeah. we have one volunteer. Her and um, her boyfriend will. He's a trainer, so they will yeah. take them in one of their stalls, or they'll put them in a designated stall at the track. They'll they they work with the racing with each individual track and um you know they'll have a stall usually it's in the receiving barn yeah. that uh, they can use and it's usually a short period of time we usually get them out of there within 48 hours but it's so convenient that it's it you know it's such a it, it's making a smooth transition and that's i think oh. that may be a big stumbling block for a lot of people surrendering their horses is Absolutely. it's such a hassle the, the horses um you know the horses are injured if they have a, a sesamoid or uh, a, a suspensory, or you know, they they need they need to to be rehabbed. A lot of there's a lot of great groups out there, just like the Equine Humane Center, who take um, deal with only thoroughbreds, but most of the time they're full, and they or they won't take an, a horse that needs any kind of rehab. So, for a lot of trainers and, and owners, um, you know, you've got a horse that's injured and needs six months or three months of stall rest and to be evaluated. You know, what do you do? if you don't have a farm to send them to. So right. that's where we so, come in. So what are the requirements for somebody who wants to adopt? If someone's interested in adopting, they have to complete a written um, adoption application, and that can be found on our website. They submit photos of their facility, whether it's their own farm or a boarding facility. Um, we ask for a $10 donation for, to process the, um, the application and proof of residence so that actually they can show us a copy of a utility bill or telephone bill that ties their name to the address that they're putting on the um, application. And if their application is approved, then it's just a matter of finding a horse um, that's right for them based on their qualifications. Hmm. Okay. And so now, um, with the economy the way it is, and we, we were just on actually with uh, Kim from PetFinder, and she said they've definitely seen an increase because of the economy and the number of animals that are showing up on their site. And I know you use their site, don't don't you? Yes, it's a great site. We 
get a lot of interest from Pet Finder. We have a lot of people looking for horses um, on Pet Finder. I know a lot of people don't think to look for horses. I didn't. I, I didn't either. Cats <laughs> and dogs. Yeah. And but we have we have um, thousands of views. Pet Finder will send us a weekly report of um, how many times our horses have been looked at, and it's the number is always in the thousands. So now with the economy, have you seen the same thing, Uh, just a lot more traffic in? in? Oh, yes. It's every day. Every day we have phone calls of horses that need to get in. And it's just, and um, and you can directly relate that um, back? It's it's more due due to the economy. We hear financially they just can't afford to keep them. They've lost their job. They're losing their farm. Um, People are getting out of the business, the horse business, whether it's breeding, racing, racing. so yeah, we've we've seen everything is pretty much related to the economy now, more a lot more so now than it was you know two years ago. And besides finding homes for these horses, what would you say are your organization's greatest needs at this point? Well, so we always have a financial need because we are a five hundred one c three, and even though we're an organization that's open to all of the horses in Kentucky, we don't get any state or federal funding. And I think a lot of people think that we're, you know, we're funded somehow by um, the state or the government. We're not. So we, we rely on donations to keep our doors open. And um, right now we're in need of financial donations. We can always use supplies of hay or bedding and any type of horse supplies. And always volunteers. We have a great group of volunteers, but we can always use more. I saw something you have on your website called the Bridal Registry, which I think is so awesome. <laughs> Tell us about that. Well, it's just a, a page of um, different ways that people can um, either shop to help. There's um, different things that they can do to help if they can't help out financially. There's, for instance, there's a site called Good Search, and they can make that their homepage and choose us as the charity. And it's it's very similar to Google. So every time they do a search, we get one penny. Ooh. So it's not costing them anything, but it you know it all adds up. And you're looking and for there's votes. There's also different businesses that give us. Um, Donations for, uh, you know, they'll give us a, um, a donation based on a purchase. So, you know, we have Cafe Press. There's a lot of different things that um, people can do to help. Now, you're also looking for votes to win a $20,000 grant, I see here, That's too. That's right. That would be tremendous. And it's from so the Animal Rescue to go Site? To our website and vote. <laughs> yeah, so, and it says vote for us at the animalrescuesite.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could win $20,000. So there, the Animal Rescue Site is the one giving away the... Yes, they're yeah, grand the prize is twenty thousand dollars. Even if we didn't win the twenty thousand, they give away weekly grants. Oh, great! So, hey, yeah. Okay, Helena, are you on? You're on their website. I can. I, of I, course, I, just I know am. you are. Okay, go <laughs> I to the got three horses. I go, want. All right, well, go to the left to go to adopt a horse under adoption there, and yeah, then go there. to horses for riding. Already there. And look at the second one down. That is the cutest mare. Phoenix. <laughs> I know. Isn't that the cutest little <laughs> quarter horse mare? She, she has one blue eye. Is that oh, right? Mm-hmm. She, she is, is just the adorable. cutest. She, she would make a great little driving horse. Yeah, yeah. And, and make sure you show Jennifer Simi, who's right underneath it. That's uh, oh, uh, a lot yeah. of wonderful horses. And, you know, I encourage people to come to us um, if they're interested in a horse. Because just like if you're getting a horse from um, a uh, humane center, a shelter, another humane society, animal shelter, breed rescue... We will tell you everything we know about the horse. We're going to be honest, and we're going to be upfront, and we're going to give you all the information we know about that horse. Um, you know, physical, 
their physical condition, their emotional issues, if they have any, and what we feel they'd be suitable for. We, you know, our goal is to find a good home for the horses. And I think that that's, um, we're seeing more and more people coming to us to adopt and for those reasons. Because not only does the, do the horses need a home, but they're very happy um, that we disclose everything we know about the horse. Because sometimes people, like, you know, you, you hear all these horror stories of people who have bought horses and the people who have not been honest and the horse is not what they, um, yeah, <laughs> what, you know, not what it, it, the horse doesn't have the same personality it had when they went to look at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get them home or they might have some physical issues that they were unaware of. So. It's funny how that happens in the horse world, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, so if is, you, it's a great thing, and if it doesn't work out, the horses, you know, we have a great return policy. I was just going to ask you back. about that, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We were and discussing our, our that adoption earlier. fees run anywhere from fifty to five hundred dollars, which is, you know, we all know the initial cost of the horse is not the most, the biggest expense. It's the care, the care afterwards, but. Um, you know, we'll, if it doesn't work out, we'll find you another horse. Yeah, if you can't There's afford no the 50. There's no hard feelings. We, we understand horses are all different in different um, situations. So if they get them home and, or the horse is not going to be um, the level of horse that they thought, you know, it was gonna, it's not going to um, go to the, a certain level that we, we thought, you know, had hoped for it to do. So if they bring it back, we'll just, you know, find them another one. So it's a great, it's, it's great to adopt. Yeah. Wow. All right. Which one do I pick? (laughs) But I can't see. I'm not a Kentucky resident, so I can't do a long-distance adoption, can I? Yes, you can. Oh. Yes. Actually, we have a woman who we just approved in Tennessee, and she'll be here tomorrow to pick out her horse. We we sent horses as far away as Maine. Okay, then. You're closer (laughs) than Maine, so you're okay. All right. I got to go now. I got to get busy on this website. Where where are you at? I'm in Boston. Oh, good. Okay. See, an but, so that's good. So it doesn't you don't you don't have to be a Kentucky resident. No. Um, so if, anybody as can long come. If you're in. willing to pay for the transportation, we will. Um, yeah. Well, sure. It, fortunately, that other horse that Percheron I saw was at the Jesmond County Center and not yours. Because. Well, that's okay. <sighs> they need homes too. I know. I know. But <laughs> I, I saw one at PetFinder when we were looking through there. It was like, and I love Percherons. Uh, well, this is great. I'm glad. And right now, if somebody wanted to donate, they can just do that as well? Yes, they can go right to our website. There's a Donate Now button. They yep. can click on to a secure site and make a, uh, a donation to us, and we would greatly appreciate it. Well, this is great. We're glad that you came on. If anybody's interested, the website is keehc.org. No, it's K-Y. K-Y. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Sorry about <laughs> that. <fired. laughs> that stands for Kentucky Equine Humane Center. So I guess K-Y. I've lived here long enough. I should know it's K-Y by now. Um, and they can check out your website. You have the horses listed on there. You're also on Pet Finder, so there's plenty of places to find the horses. The adoption fee is minimal, and if you can't afford that, you can't afford the horse anyway. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and we encourage everybody to check it out, to uh, donate, volunteer if you have time and live local here in kentucky you can volunteer or adopt a horse they need homes no matter where you live i'm going to say this again because glenn butchered it usually i'm the one who butchers the stuff (laughs) i'm going to um take over here it's kentucky equine humane center and the website is www.kyehc.org and we'll also put a link on our show notes to that great thank you so much all right thanks a lot laurie 
All right. Well, that was great to have Lori on and Kim and to talk about the subject. It's obviously a hot topic right now, and it's some, these animals all need homes, and I'm just glad that we could do a little bit of our part to help accomplish some of that. And, and now I have to tell Jennifer that I'm adopting a Percheron and a Greyhound. <laughs> She'll love that. And we have a backyard about the size of yours, so that'll be great. (laughs) All right. And we got another email. You read one earlier in the day, but we got another one. Actually, this was left on our Facebook uh, page. Uh, We have a Facebook fan page. You can find us on Facebook. Just in the upper right-hand corner, search Stable Scoop. And please follow us. Join us on Facebook. We'd be happy to have you. And she wrote, love the show. I wish it was on every day. And after your diatribe earlier in the show, I was sitting here just laughing, thinking, I should just tell Helena that we're going to start doing these daily <laughs> no I, I can't i want to i can't but i want to i know it, it would be fun to do them daily but even you even i would run out of things to talk about i think every day uh well maybe not i so would not <laughs> that's my curse some people say it's a blessing i say it's my curse <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, we do two other shows that I do get to talk on every week, and the first is the Eventing Radio Show. This week, Samantha filled in for me, because I couldn't talk, uh, and actually did the show with Chris, and they got a report from Kate Green on the badminton horse trials over there, and they got to hear from the winner, Oliver Townend. And also, this past weekend was the Jersey Fresh three-day event, and they had three international divisions at that event, and Amber Heinsberger gives us the scoop on who did what at the Jersey Horse Park. And we also do the 2010 radio show. We're all about the World Equestrian Games next year here in Lexington, Kentucky. It was Samantha's first show as my co-host, and we had a lot of fun. It was nice to have somebody to talk to. <laughs> I was sitting here by myself with the microphone. It's kind of weird. <laughs> and we, uh, we spoke with John Nicholson, executive director of the Kentucky Horse Park, and he gave us a report on Rolex and how the new stadium went and how he thinks everything's going construction-wise over there. And also Kim Bennett, who also happens to have the same name of the guest we had on today. <laughs> Um, who's director of hospitality packages uh, for the World Equestrian Games. And you know those expensive packages we talked about, tens of thousands of dollars to go watch with the fancy tables and everything? They've already sold out of of the reigning ones. Can I tell you, though, that remember how I poo-pooed them when yes. we first talked about them? Yep. Yeah, I'm all over that now. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I am all about spending your life savings on the hospitality Well, you packages. got to see a little bit about what they're going to do at Rolex, too. And yeah. It's, 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 it's nice stuff. <laughs> yeah, I got over that real quick. Poo-poo yeah. me. <laughs> all right. So those are the other two shows, eventingradio.com and 2010radioshow.com. And also be sure to listen here next week as we bring you a Another great equestrian topic on the Stable Scoop show. You can you can find our contact information. Just go to the website at stablescoop.com and all the links. We did a t- talked about a ton of links today. They'll all be on our show notes at stablescoop.com. Stop by there and, and click through and check out all the different things we talked about. We'd also like to thank our sponsors, Equestrian Collections, for being with us. She's great over there. They do a wonderful job. Uh, and you, you basically can do all your equestrian shopping at Equestrian Collections. Their selection is enormous. So you can go there at equestriancollections.com. Well, Helena, did I miss anything? Mm, no. Yeah, you did okay. We'll keep all right. you. All right. Well, thank you, Helena. And we will see you again next week. Yes, we will be back with the scoop. <laughs>